0: We got some Breeze bits. We got some Breeze bits. They're coming in hot, so on operation bits. Mmm, bits.
1: Do we start? Should we start? That's the the question of life. Do we start? So
0: I actually, do you want to hear this? I got I got asked to get feedback on a podcast.
1: Really? Someone asked you to listen to give them feedback.
0: Yeah, and I'll I'll promote it right now, the Fair Catch Kick podcast. It's a fantasy football podcast, if you like fantasy football. Fair Catch Kick? Fair Catch Kick, and it's two of my high school friends, and what I said was that one thing that I think is good is if you start an episode mid-conversation, because it it feels like
1: the flow is already established. A cold opening, an organic opening?
0: Yeah, and we just
1: didn't do that. (laughs) No. We try to make organic, but we always start kind of the same way. So it's always like, are we in? Did we start? Oh, I guess we're in. I, I feel like we, well, one of us will we'll shed light, brazier backs.
0: One of us is the, the driver, the Donald driver. Usually it's me, but it's not always me. And
1: one person knows when the episode starts and the other one doesn't. Yeah, I prefer not to know. Yeah. So whenever, I, whenever I have my hands on the wheel, I feel like uh, I change, I, I turn it on. Sometimes artificially, but I need to turn it on. I need to, I need to be on no matter what, especially when once I see your face, I turn it turn on. So you wouldn't say you're
0: Jesus, because no. he, he takes the wheel.
1: He does take. <laughs> Jesus always took the wheel.
0: Yeah, not, I, I take the wheel once in a while. Yeah, welcome to Braised
1: Bits, everybody. This is episode thirty-four. It's a good number. Episode thirty-four, great number, Antonio McDice, Shack, Shack, another Shack episode. <laughs> 34 is a good age. It's, um, it's, I think it's the last
0: eight, last year you're, you're young. You could say 35, but I would say 34.
1: I would say 36 still, 36 sounds a lot older. So 30,
0: 30, 36, you're young, but you're hold. you're like, so, all right, this is, this might sound, this, I don't know if it sounds bad, but so I've done a few of these shows and I feel like more so in Brooklyn than Manhattan where they're, like, young, late 30s, early 40s. So it's, like, people in their late 30s and early 40s who don't have kids. And they're still yeah. doing the things that, the 20s things, like, you know, going to comedy shows. Right. And, um, I, it, it, obviously everyone's life situation is different. I'm not sure if it's, like, I don't, I don't think I want to be that person.
1: Really? I think I'm guaranteed to be that person. Men's Warehouse. At least, <laughs> I guarantee it. I kind of I want to stay young, feel young as as long as possible. I want to keep going out to live things. You feel like when, when, once you get older, you're going to be like a, a stay home, a recluse. I'm already a recluse, valcluse. You're, go, you're going to shows, you're doing shows. Well, yeah,
0: I'm mean, doing the shows is different. I'm already alienating everybody who listens to the pod, who who is the pod, who exists. what I'm trying to say is that I think that there is a natural progression of age and so like I think when you're when you're 34 I think you could do stuff that a 23 year old would do in terms of like going out maybe and and just like your your social life that might not be it's it's uh I think it's still within the ballpark but once you're 36 I feel like you gotta you have more in common when you're 36 you have more in common I would argue with a 50 year old than you do a (laughs) 21
1: year old that's what I'm trying to say. I understand that, but there's just you just reinvent different ways to kind of go out. Like going out when you're 36 might mean just like going sitting outside at a bar and having one drink, and not not and enjoying the atmosphere. When you're 20, you might just be like, let's get there, do shots, and have fried calamari with my podcast partner.
0: Yeah, and that's being 36. What I'm saying is that 34, you could still be in your early 20s, like you still do things in early 20s type things and get away with it. But 36. You can, but I think it's it. There's a line where it's like you,
1: you're past it. It's all just number. It's all just numbers game.
0: It is true. It, it's it. all it's all arbitrary. Yeah, this is thirty six. This is thirty six. Six yeah. times six it is when when I learned the times tables.
1: That was like the one I knew right away. Six times six is thirty six. Classic. It's kind of it's got that's a, a, a classic braised bits. That's probably our 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 braised bits best times table. Yeah. It kinda goes goes with the pod. Question for you, Jesse.
0: Do he you hear the
1: do you hear the millionaire next door right now? I don't. Alright. He's, Is he's he screaming? He's going at it. I wish I could hear him. I miss that guy. I missed I miss the intensity and passion behind his voice. And thinking that even though he's yelling, he could just be complimenting his wife's cooking. Yeah. He might be which doing I the cooking doing. though. We don't know we don't know the gender roles. No. I'm making an assumption which makes an ass out of me. That's right. I got a little uh, meal prep for you, though, Lance. Let's do it. Um, I, I got to tell you, our last episode, I got some hot feedback on your critique of my pina colada number one. I, which I know you also got some feedback from your wife, but I, I, I got some, I got some, some, some real people don't agree. People agree with me. Number one, my papa, mi padre, the podfather, Stevie Eggs. Stevie Quickhands, he did not agree with your assessment of pina coladas. He was offended for me about your take that the generalization that people who like pina coladas are lacking in inner life. He really <laughs> took that. He, I can't really share all the things he said, but he he, he took you to task. And also, top razorback, Matthew Schneck, uh, is a big pina colada fan. She said that when she was studying Granada, she really enjoyed pina coladas and that. It's kind of a celebration when you have a pina colada. It's like a little slice of paradise when you're enjoying it. But, and she and she said, you can't have more than one, which I agree, which I think makes you appreciate it even more. So if you have more than one, you're entering into tummy problem town. Um, but pina colada is, is just – I stand by it, and uh, I think your critique is whack, Goldberg.
0: I think that's why the, the pod, the pod kitchen is beautiful because I'm right, but you're also – like if you're also right, like you' you might be more right than me. We're both right.
1: <laughs> that is the beautiful thing about the podcast. We we're both right in our own way. Yeah. which David Wright exactly. Stephen Wright, The Wright brothers. But do you want to share what Kate said about Pina class? I thought her her critique was very funny.
0: Yeah, she just said it reminded her of either a divorced dad on a business trip.
1: Yes, Or a mom who like doesn't He's avoiding her family, yeah, avoiding her family on vacation, yeah. Which I feel that like I I'm more of the latter. I'm more of the the mom avoiding her family on vacation, but I I think I can also enjoy a piña colada with my family on vacation as the mother. I think so. I think I,
0: so. I think you take a drink and it could be utilized in multiple circumstances. I think a drink also though makes you think of one thing, right? right. So like. I don't know. I think of coffee, I, my, my mind goes to the morning, waking up, getting ready for the day, but that's not the only use of coffee. You yeah. get have coffee across multiple circumstances. I think there's like a primary memory association. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Kate and I just have some deep-seated issues with pina coladas that we got to figure out. It's
1: possible. My question to you though is on the surface, do you find it a delicious drink or you just don't even like the taste? i've had it what is it it's like what is it pineapple juice pineapple juice coconut milk all frozen with slushy
0: um i don't know i feel like i've it's very sweet
1: right love a sweet
0: yeah i i'm not a big sweet drink guy so like when i go to cocktail bars i would always you know how there's some of these cocktail bars that like they tell you like uh I don't know. I don't know anything about cocktails, but the, I've been to a few where it's like they make up a drink. You tell them yeah. the stuff you like based on your flavor profile. I always just want jalapeno, spicy stuff. I like, so they, I feel like I end up getting like these like cucumber things, right? And uh, with right. like jalapeno. You don't like
1: it too sweet. I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's but like, I'm not a big just- I'm not a big margarita person. Pina coladas. I probably have only had like four or five of them in my life. Um, wow. And Bloody Mary is the worst. I just think there's something about
1: what is it? Tomato juice is it vodka and tomato juice. It can be vodka. It, it's, it's, it's traditionally vodka. I've had them with tequila, which I think is a bloody Maria. Um, but I've had I like a bloody Mary when it's really spicy and, it, and it's like almost like a meal in itself. Yeah, it, 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 it is. Spicy.
0: It's it's. Um, I like bold bold flavors. I'm a Boulder, Colorado flavor kind of guy. Right. But there's something about the Bloody Mary that um, maybe the first time I had – I haven't had one in like 10 years probably. Maybe the first time I had one I was too young. I just i just think it's its not a good combination of ingredients. I
1: just find it not good. I think it would be a funny pod. I know you don't drink anymore and you don't like getting drunk. But I think doing a pod where we both make each other a drink would be interesting and get a little tipsy before the pod. It could, yeah. could be interesting. We got I'd it. love to see you – having one of my pina coladas and and you trying to say it's not delicious I I think I think we could maybe uh, we could maybe make that happen I think
0: we gotta wait for the virus to end or yeah or the virus to end or it to be socially acceptable to do the pot and share liquids right well we could share liquids without the virus we could always share liquids yeah
1: I guess we don't even need to wait then we don't have to yeah beautiful wanna dive into some highlights yes I do have
0: one quick meal prep Please. so I made a BLT for lunch today and I think it was the first BLT I've ever made or definitely the first BLT I've ever made might be the first BLT I've ever had like I couldn't remember ever having a BLT <laughs> Wow because I think when I was young like I, w- I liked bacon but like I would think lettuce tomato those are healthy gross right and I can't remember I can't remember any time where I've had it so this BLT it was wasn't it was a it was more of a B.C.T. instead of lettuce, I did cabbage. Interesting. Like shredded cabbage, but basically as, as lettuce. It's a great sandwich. I can't believe that what I've been doing. Texture. Text, How t- was the bacon cooked? I, so I had it crispy. There you go. See? well, That's what I'm talking about. So, it's burnt and crispy. So it was leftover bacon. And when you have yeah. bacon left over, I feel like it just naturally, you can't really make it soft. It just kind of naturally becomes crispy. Yeah. So I wasn't I trying to.
1: Dehydrated. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I feel like once you have that leftover bacon, you're going to have it crispy. But I think crispy bacon is better in a BLT because it's like the – you put it in crunch. the middle
1: and you get that crunch and texture. Can't beat it. Did you put – I don't think I've ever had a BLT because I'm not a big tomato guy. I think I've had bacon and lettuce. But I'm not a big mayo fan either. Did you have mayo so on it? So
0: that's you? what I was going to ask you. I guess you're not the BLT expert that I had I'm in not. my mind. But – <laughs> <laughs> uh, mind's eye. So yeah, I was wondering. I thought mayo was the predominant dressing. I guess you would say. I put chili paste instead. That sounds good. It was great. It was good. I definitely overpowered it with chili paste, but that's like I, that was that's something I don't need to put as much the next time. But I'm going to incorporate a BLT into my mini rotate. It's not going to be like a a feature,
1: but it'll yeah. It'll it'll make an appearance every now and again. It's a pretty simple, a very simple thing to make. All very easy ingredients. It's just... Uh, I could probably figure out a different... Cl- I, I've, I'm i starting to grow on tomatoes. I like yellow tomatoes a lot, like orange tomatoes. I feel like I can use those in a BLT. I like the idea of cabbage. It's up to the
0: chef's interpretation. Yeah, with tomatoes, I think I'm the same way. I, I never loved... I like tomato... Well, I have mixed feelings about tomatoes. But sliced tomatoes, I think... Texturally, I always found them odd. But as I've, as my palate has matured, if you put it in the right circumstance, you got to put it in the right circumstance to thrive. Right. Any food could be put exactly. in the right circumstance and it'll thrive. But if you put it in the wrong circumstance,
1: it it might have a hard time. No, and it could be scarring. I mean, I'm, I'm a big bruschetta fan. I'm a big salsa guy. So in theory, I should be a sliced tomato guy. Yeah,
0: but you know, theory and reality sometimes are different things. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Let's let's hit the highlights.
1: Yeah. us highlight me up. Put a yellow glow stick over me. What do you got, Lance?
0: So I got a maybe it's a thirty four or thirty six year old highlight. The highlight of my week is that on Sunday we did a deep clean of our apartment.
1: That's that's a classic Lance highlight. So that sounds like a eventful I mean don't Nothing better than a post clean, but are you saying the actual cleaning was a highlight
0: both the the, the process and then the post so you do it it's and then you enjoy the so our apartment is pretty clean I feel like overall it's not like we're not like crazy clean people like clean freaks, but we like to keep it clean and especially now that we're in our apartment almost twenty four seven during the quarantine, you want to have it relatively yeah. clean but there were some things that we so like um, we have under our bed we use it as kind of like storage we don't have that monsters. much – we only have one closet. Like we don't have that much storage space. So we put some like random things under under the bed and we had never cleaned it. So like – That's where the dust goes. Yeah. So we just got so much dust out. And we kind of just threw out some stuff that we didn't necessarily need. Yeah. We kind of – we did that. We uh, – our kitchen we reorganized and a huge highlight for me. So we had a drying rack of dishes. dishes but our kitchen counter space is very small so we made the executive decision to get rid of the drying rack and just always wash and dry dishes and maximize the space and just make sure we wash the dishes and dry
1: them right away which I love because washing dishes is huge huge decision I mean does that mean that now are you going to have a a drying rag or do you have paper towels to dry these these bad boys so we're going to do both yeah if it's paper towel, I'm all on board. And I know it's not the most economical or environmentally smart thing to do, but one of those rags, those kind of freak me out. I know. Uh, the, I, I, I don't love the
0: rags because, yeah, I feel like you could only use them for, I, I think they end up being, well, you could end up paying more because you either, you make it, it's a, it's a cash 22. You either keep them and they're gross or you just spend a lot of money getting different ones. Yeah, they, they end up being a drag. Or a rag ragu love it love some ragu yeah so it's a nice decision and there's so much more i mean it it
1: doubled our counter space just not having this drying rack so that's the best when a small little decision like that like opens up a room i feel like it, just, it changes the whole atmosphere yeah it's like it, it's a whole it's a whole frontier now i can't wait to see it with my own eyes you will i've been to your apartment many times that's the original og pod kitchen um it's and it, to me it was always very clean always kept kept uh in tip top shape but i'm sure in the little nicks and crannies stuff can pile up
0: yeah we kind of like moved like uh, our couch you know different shelves all that stuff and we, we there was a lot more there's just like dust you know did the, gmail the, survive gmail survived and gmail still hasn't gone to the doctor to repair his fin but i think soon now that i think he he's very um, he's an anti-vaxer,
1: classic Gmail. Yeah, so stubborn, stubborn turtle. Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll see about that. But yeah, that was my highlight. Very nice. So, so along the same lines of your highlight about uh, little self-care, I, I got a haircut for the first time since quarantine. Looks good. I went appreciate it. I think it was uh it was it was, it was amazing. I got emotional. I I've been going to my same hairdresser, Liz, in my hometown, um, since since beginning of high school. I think maybe before then. I think at least beginning of high school. Um, it was just it was amazing. Yeah. It was an, it was a emotional experience. It was I, I, I get emotional just thinking about it. You know the, the whole process. I love it. I got shampooed and conditioned beforehand. Nothing better than getting shampooed by somebody else with them running their hands through your hair and your head, just scrubbing your head. Uh, I, I, they, had, they had all the protocols, so they took my temperature beforehand. I uh, had to wear a mask throughout the whole experience, but just the whole ritual of it really uh, reminded me how much I missed going to get my hair done by Liz. Uh, we caught up. We talked about... Ham- Usually what we talk about is uh, theater and Broadway because we're both big Broadway people. We talked about Hamilton, which we both watched on uh, Disney+. Plus. Which I enjoyed a lot, and she enjoyed. We both cried. Me and Liz always on the same page. And I, I was and I was very happy. I was a little nervous. so I felt like maybe she would be out of practice, not not doing my hair in a, in a while. But honestly, I think she came back uh, better than ever, maybe fresher than ever, uh, and gave me one of my best haircuts I've, I've ever had. Um, I usually leave leave there when I get my haircut, and, and a few days afterwards it takes me time to adjust to my new haircut. It takes a few weeks to grow in. But this one, second, I left that chair. I was walking uh, with, with a little hip in my step, yeah, a jiff in my riff. <laughs> I mean,
0: it looks simultaneously fresh, but also like worn in.
1: <laughs> wow, see, that's could not be a, a better compliment. Yeah,
0: that. yeah, which is nice. So, so Liz's uh, domain—it's—it's it's like a salon. Hair salon, yeah, yeah, primarily
1: a woman's hair salon. Yeah,
0: so when I I had I went to a woman's hair salon, like yeah, growing up basically from actually Barbara, she gave me my first ever haircut, and then so I went to her, and then like eighth or ninth grade, I like went to a barber, you know, I was like I'm a a teenage man or whatever, so I went to supercuts like for a bit, and then I went to this barber, but then I just went back to Barbara, and I went to Barbara until. Um, like a like two years at, like throughout college and after college, like maybe a year or two after moving to New York, and then it became like too much to go out to Long Island to get a haircut. Yeah, um, and then I went to a barbers for a while. Um, and you went
1: from Barbara to a barber,
0: yes. TV and and Rondé yes, and Dan Barber, who is a chef. Anyway, I don't I don't think I know. We're going to talk about Dan Barber actually coming up in the highlights, but wow, foreshadowing, five shadowing. Five shadowing, haircut. Um, so I think women's salon environments are definitely more a healthier environment.
1: So you've gone to, you've gone to barber shops? I have. I, I went to barber shops. I think at least in middle school and probably up until middle school. And I'll go to a place where you can't make an appointment. You just have to wait for your guy to open up, and then there'll be another guy, another barber opens up. You don't want that guy because he's not your guy, but you don't want to be rude to that guy. I didn't like it's, it's all it's a lot of, a lot of machismo in there. Yeah, yeah. So
0: I prefer, I think, and barber shops like so. Um, yeah, there's a lot of machismo. Um, there are certain there's different rates. Right? So now there's um, there's like upscale barber shops. Now I, I've never been to one of them, but it's me like neither. you do make an appointment, and it's yeah. like seems like they it give it's you more, give you a drink
1: like a whiskey.
0: Yeah, this more like refined experience, which just seems like an excuse to charge sixty dollars for a haircut to me. Right. But then there's also important, so like, I know, right, black owned barbershops historically have been like this, uh, safe space is not the right word, but like a place for black men in particular to, you know, freely talk about issues and things like that. And, um, sure. But like, I don't know, it's not the same, but like the barbershop I've been going to, like most recently is Jewish. Uh, and it is interesting, like there's like an element of that camaraderie but overall yeah. like I think it's like it's like too hyper masculine for me yeah um and it, I, you get like there's some there's some good there's some interesting things in, in there I found I found um but I don't know I, I always like going to Barbara um and now now I'm just you know now I'm, I'm no barbershop I'm solo Yeah, you're, free you're solo
1: your you're own
0: self I freed myself from the
1: burden of, of hair maintenance <laughs> Uh, have you ever gone to get a shave, like a face shave at one of these places, like a barbershop? No, I've gotten like a beard thing, beard trim. One of my dreams, which I think is probably, it's too late now, but I like, I wanted to have a birthday party at a barbershop and all of my friends, we would all get our faces shaved, but no one was into it. I think that's a fun idea. It'd be, it'd be a great idea. I think it'd be, a, it'd, be, it'd be a blast. There are certain like men,
0: beautification is not it, but like grooming type things, I've always thought a um, like a like a bathhouse type type thing, like a spa esque yes. type situation. I that I gravitate towards that a bit more.
1: Sense that stuff is a bit more expensive, but yeah, you want to be we want to be groomed. You want to be pampered.
0: Yeah, uh, I couldn't couldn't think of a reference. I was caught looking there. The pitch came so, by. So I was like, all right, I'm ready to swing with something groomed. Zoom. Kaboom.
1: Fruit of the Loom. stuff. Not bad. Fruit of the Gloom? Fruit of the Loom. Yeah, they can make t-shirts or something. Yeah, they sure do. Fresh Fruit of the Loom. All right, Sweet Sauce, should we get into this uh, top nine, this entertaining top nine that we got? Let's do it. I'm
0: excited for this. I think this might end up being one of our better top nines. I'm interested to see also, I think we could have a lot in common or we could
1: have nothing in common. I think we're going to have more in common than most lists. I would say that the over-under set at least we have three in common. That's All right. my I'm going
0: to say. My take. Yeah, I, I guess three is probably a fair over-under. Yeah. All right. Should we get into it? So we're,
1: we're cooking up top nine. We <laughs> even say what it was.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're doing our top nine food, TV shows, slash online streaming shows food food tv shows yep and so i'll say it for uh, first off this is kind of
0: what i watch primarily now i don't really Same watch year. i don't watch that like my, my tv watching evolution i feel like in late high school college i watched a lot of series scripted series i thought i was gonna be a mm. tv writer uh for a small period of time i actually took a tv writing class and actually one time wrote a a spec script of BoJack Horseman. But anyway, like I I really, it it wasn't good. Um, but I, I've kind of moved away from, I don't, I I don't watch that many, really any, very few scripted shows. Um, And now I watch like, I I just have gravitated towards
1: food shows. I think they're the most interesting form of TV. I think I agree. And I think I watch food TV shows the most also. They're, they're at one point the most interesting, but also you can also not – certain shows, food shows, they're just visually amazing. Just, I like eating food and watching food shows just because it's, it, it, it's it's very satisfying, especially when I'm by myself.
0: Yeah. I think you could learn a lot from food TV shows, but they could also, they could also be mindless and relaxing at the same time. Yeah, exactly,
1: which I, I think is great. Uh, yeah, so let's get into it. Do you want to lead off? Sure. This was tough for me. There's so many shows – that I grew up on shows that I love now, but I'm pretty I went through many drafts with this list, but I, I, I like where I landed. My number nine is a classic Iron Chef on the Food Network the Iron Chef battle show, um, where a chef would go into the um, kitchen stadium and challenge one of the resident Iron Chefs. My personal favorite Iron Chef was, was uh, Masahara Morimoto, I think he was the best. Uh, most elite Iron Chef. I think he actually has a a ramen restaurant in Manhattan, or he used to have one. Uh, they would, they would, then there would be like the the host would unveil a secret ingredient, which was always intense, and like they wouldn't be prepared. Just my favorite of the food battle shows, um, and always just classic classic uh, rivalries. I feel like Morimoto and Bobby Flay had a big rivalry at one point. Uh, so that's my number nine, Iron Chef.
0: Nice. I so I've never watched Iron Chef. I've always wow. preferred Magnesium Chef. Magnesium Chef. Magnesium Chef. <laughs> I like that. That was a, that was a bad one, but that was like a ba- that was like a bad single. You know how sometimes you like you, you, you got on base. I got on base, but it was, yeah, it was like a grounder that like it should have been. Who knows. It, it got so the I, job I heard
1: it wrong. I thought you said like mag. I didn't hear magnesium at first. And then I just registered that that is iron. So it's it's a, it's a thinker. People it, like that at home. We'll see what the people at home think.
0: But I yeah, I never watched Iron Chef, so I can't comment on it. I feel
1: like it's a show that I did it, it. It's not on now, or it, is it still on? I don't think it's still on. I don't have cable, so I'm not sure. I, I don't think it's still on.
0: Yeah, I feel like my food show watching really took off like within the past five years. So. Things that were maybe more popular 10, 15 years ago, I don't have as much experience yeah.
1: from. I think um, Alton Brown was a host at one point, and he is the host of also the show Good Eats, which was originally on my top nine, but it didn't make the final cut. He's, I think he's a phenomenal host, and he, I love, he's very funny, but also very smart and like knows his way around the kitchen and how to explain different techniques. And then there would be like a, almost like a sideline reporter, who he would like kick it to in the Iron Chef in the Kitchen Stadium? Who would like be next to the chefs, like giving them giving the uh, Alton Brown and the judges like sideline tips of like what what they're doing with the ingredients? It was entertaining. That sounds good. It
0: sounds almost like also like a sportsified exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's always good. You gotta love competition. Love that,
1: especially in the kitchen. Yeah. My number eight is from Bon Appetit, which I've talked about on this pod a lot. Uh, Molly Baz. Who's a personality on Bon Appétit? Her, just her, all of like her videos, like her web, her channel on Bon Appétit. Consider that like a show. She has her own, just different series of videos of cooking. She's very quirky, very funny. She's very like she cooks in you know, like a more of a gritty way, um, and like but like not like not pretentious. Her favorite thing to cook is grilled Caesar salad, which she calls grilled sea sal. Um, I just have a big crush on her. just really cute, really. Just just very uh, fun to watch, easy to watch, and I've learned a lot also from watching her cook. Molly Baz, check her out.
0: Molly Baz, I will. I haven't super gotten into, like, you know, there's a lot of food bloggers. I guess, you know, obviously she works for Bon Appetit, but sounds also within the food influencer domain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I haven't gotten super into that as opposed to, like, chefs, you know, like chefs who maybe then move into that. Yeah. Um, now I feel like it's all kind of similar. Whenever I do look at recipes, I'll watch a lot of videos. Like sometimes if I'm doing a new recipe, I'll watch a video, but it's like, I'm not looking for X person making a video, right. but it's something that maybe I'll, I've, 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 thought about, like I should get into that a bit more. I do watch this one guy. His name is air. He's a French guy. It's Hervé cuisine. And he's just like, does, it sounds like what, what Molly does, but it's in French. So I am learning French. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Well I think when you when you like a person's personality and then kind of you, you fall through their different uh, recipes you learn about them in a different way It's pretty interesting Yeah, you gotta love a seesaw. love a seesaw. she is she, she always abbreviates her words she's very funny nice big fan Big dad fan um, okay my number seven which I'm I'm, I'm, I'm good where where it's at it's one of my favorite shows fuck that's delicious. Uh, the Action Bronson show on Vice. It might be on another platform now, but uh, it's the it's like the stoner slash like punk version of Diners, Drives, and Dives. I feel like um, the best version of the show I think is when Action Bronson goes to Paris um, and he goes to these different vineyards and it's, like he tastes the most like high class food. Also, like he'll go to food trucks and go to like. Uh, places like in, in that are you wouldn't expect him to go and so he's, he's hilarious not intentionally all the time um and he's always like he's always constantly himself he never really changes who he is to like where he goes which I love um and it's always constantly entertaining and like I love his music also but this he was he was a chef before he was a rapper and he like broke his leg so then he started rapping while he was uh, recuperating. He knows he's a really good chef himself. So number seven is "fuck that's delicious."
0: Yeah, so I've never really watched "fuck that's delicious," um, and I actually thought about when we thought of this when we um, came up with this idea. I was like, "Oh, maybe I should start watching, watching that." i was like because I've listened to enough podcast videos, like. Action Bronze is just like around. I feel like in in the stuff I yeah, consume. So I personality. Yeah, so I feel like I know enough about him, and, and like yeah, he's he's very knowledgeable about food. What I love about him too is he's a huge New York food scene booster, and yeah. equally, and I think we both do this too, and I think I think a lot of people, a lot of most like people who don't have any sort of stake in promoting or like. Don't have any stake in the restaurant industry, like equally enjoys like this is not the yeah. right even this is not even the right um, dichotomy. But I, mean, I he, guess he more likes
1: good food, no matter where. Yeah, he,
0: he likes good food, so he'll equally like you know just like a random restaurant that's not yeah. maybe approved by the the food Illuminati exactly. people, um, exactly. just as much as a restaurant that is and doesn't really distinguish between them. Which I feel yeah. like is I, I love
1: that. And he's from Queens, grew up in Queens, and uh, he knows like all the authentic, like, like the hidden gems. I feel he he knows so many spots that he's probably not putting on his show because he doesn't want them to blow up. Yeah, I know a lot of the places he's put on the show that's like gotten so popular, and they're like a little hole in the walls. Yeah, and
0: um, yeah, just uh, yeah. You you said said all it needs to be said. Big Knicks fan too. Yeah. Big Knicks fan. Yeah, and physically. That's a show that I think I, I've been meaning to watch, and I just haven't gotten around to it. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, all right, so for me, number nine, I got Chef's Table. And I don't know if we've talked about Chef's Table on the pod. I think there's things I like about it and things I don't like about it. So I haven't watched them all. There's there's a lot of seasons. There's like I was looking today, there's like five or six seasons. I've only watched the first two seasons. Um, and then I, I felt like I got enough out of the show and then I've actually also watched there's a, a France version and I've watched that just to like learn French um, but they do some really interesting things it was really the first show that I watched that made me appreciate how involved and how intricate and how all consuming food could be right. it is done very much in the way of like the system of the culinary world uh, it's very based on Michelin stars. It's very based on technique. It's very based on being approved by like the right culture in terms of, in terms of the food world, which I think can be stifling. Um, but at the same time it showcases like the possibilities of what certain chefs could do and makes it does. It really does. It's framed in a way that makes food people or chefs like, like an artist. They, that's kind of, I feel like the whole, uh, the whole thing of the show. Um, there's a few episodes I've really liked. One is Dan Barber. We're full circle with the foreshadowing, but he's the guy who, um, his restaurant is blue hill, which I've I don't know if you've that. heard of. Yeah. So there's like a hey, farmer table. Yeah. So he's like really into basically creating really high quality ingredients that are also really good for you and also sustainable and all that stuff. So he has like this very, very well known restaurant that's somewhere in Westchester or like a little bit out of the city. Um, and it's like this whole experience and apparently it's amazing. I've been to his restaurant, the only chef's table restaurant I think I've been to out of all the ones on the show, but it's, he, there's also one in Greenwich Village, which, um, Kate took us to for, uh, my birthday one year and it was
1: amazing. Um, Very nice. yeah, I think that's the only one episode that I've seen. I, I, I've seen that episode. I like that episode. I think I might've seen a few others and I couldn't really get into the series overall because of like what you said that it's, it is very focused on like technique and like Michelin star stuff, which is kind of, uh, it could be, it, it, it could
0: definitely veer towards being very pretentious. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it does offer some really interesting things and, um, yeah, I, I, I would be lying if I didn't like it enough. Shane, to... Shane veering. Yeah. Yeah. You said, well, um, you said Mo- Molly was, was gritty. Your cooking was gritty. Yeah. I meant to say it was like the mascot of the Philadelphia Flyers. Really?
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: All right, so almost number...
1: misconnection. Didn't miss it. Misconnection.
0: Yeah, yeah. It uh, I thought the I thought the that bat was over, but turns out I got called back to the
1: plate. Always got the bat in your hands.
0: Gotta love that. Number eight I have and we just talked about this last episode and it is sort of cheating, but I feel like it's You just broke up. I can't hear You, you hear me now? Yep. Okay. Number eight, it, it's a little bit cheating, but it's not because there is – so the, the show is Midnight Diner, which we I talked about, talk about last that. week. It is this Japanese show that – it is a scripted show, and it, it's about this guy who runs this diner that's open from 12 a.m. to 7 a.m.,
1: and I think it's wait, really – so sorry to cut you off. Are we recording? No. Yeah, what? Okay. We are recording? Yeah. Oh, I, it, I can't see it on my own, my clean feed. If you can see it. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh,
0: I, I named the file Bits-topia. All right. I can't see it, but
1: at least as long as you can. Maybe i mine. <laughs> Either way, I'm down, to, I'm down I enjoyed the conversation. Just, this is just for us. I'm having a great time, no matter what. This is us. NBC.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, Midnight Diner. It's a really well done show. It also, focuses on, so each, each show focuses on a character and their like sort of, I guess struggle or thing they have to over or just so sort of their life circumstance and their story. Um, but the character that each show focuses on usually focuses on the dish. They usually order the same dish when they go to the diner. Um, and at the end of each show, they give you a tip of like how to, how to cook that thing. And it's introduced me to Japanese food that I've always been aware of but didn't really know the specifics of. So, mm-hmm. for instance, the show inspired me the other day. I cooked uh, chicken katsu. So, like, oh, nice. the, you know, basically Japanese cutlet. Um, and it was great. And Kate said it was one of her... What makes the, it different than a regular? a regular chicken So, it's um, panko breadcrumbs, which... Not you, regular, I mean American chicken. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you're canceled. Uh, so... <laughs> It's, um, panko breadcrumbs, which are like yeah. Japanese style breadcrumbs. Um, and then you cook, you like fry it in canola oil. Um, and you, um, I mean really just the panko breadcrumbs are the main thing. Um, and you fry it at kind of high heat. So it's very crunchy and like crispy. Um, and then there's a katsu sauce, which is a specific sauce and it's similar to barbecue sauce. And then you also cut it. Um, almost like strips so you could have it with chopsticks sounds um, scrumptious. yeah I think probably the main distinguishing factor is the panko breadcrumbs gotcha and you do it I mean I guess everyone makes their chicken cutlets differently the recipe that I followed was flour and egg and breadcrumbs I feel like sometimes people don't always do all three mm-hmm. um, but I feel like you gotta do flour then egg then breadcrumbs and it gets that nice crispiness right yeah But the show is really good, and the the tips about food are useful. And like, I'm gonna continue to cook. It like, I don't know. We talked about Japanese food in our top nine food episodes, but you know, Americans a lot of times when they think of Japanese food, they think of sushi. But you know, there's this this endless world of
1: more casual diner type Japanese dishes that are that are really good, right. Oh, that that show is definitely on my bucket list. I, I think I've watched the first episode of Midnight Diners. I enjoyed it. I want to keep watching it. it looks yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, so number seven. This is also like you might not first think of it as a food show, but it is a food show. Hot ones. Wow. Um, so hot ones. You learn a lot about spice. You learn about. I never knew about the Scoville scale. The you know the scale that measures the spiciness. Scoville. Rory Scoville scale. Um, as well as different elements of what makes different hot sauces, different flavorings. I've learned a lot about hot sauce from the show. Um, and it's also, I think Sean Evans, that's his, the host name is like an amazing interviewer. Like one of the best interviewers I think of anything I've ever watched. His questions are like, they lead, they, they lead the person on into talking about interesting things and they're clearly thoughtful and, not every you watch enough episodes, and each host is like, "That's an amazing question," or like, "How do you know that?" And he does it in a way that's not like a gotcha. It's it's um, it's it's a great, it's a great great dialogue. Usually, a few standout episodes. The episodes with chefs are are always really good. Um You're talking about Alton Brown, yeah. His episode is fantastic. Um, Gordon Ramsay's episode, he like can't handle the spiciness, and it's very funny to watch. He kind of freaks yeah. out. Um Key and Peel have a have a good episode. Idris Elba has a good episode. Um Theo Vaughn has a great episode. That's how I Classic. got into Theo Vaughn. I feel like you've talked about Theo Vaughn before.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Theo Vaughn. I, hilarious.
0: Yeah, I never really consumed anything that he's done, and then I watched okay. his episode and now like I listen to his podcast and I think he's great. Yeah. So,
1: absolutely. So my number two is hot ones, so okay. Spoiler. Alert. Okay. It's, Agree with everything you said. Sean Evans is phenomenal, phenomenal host. Um, I think one of my favorites is Shia Buff, which is I think from the last one of the from the last season. I don't think I've seen that one. Really, really good. It was very he cut, it's very down to earth, but also like insane. I think he puts sauce on top of the sauced wings already, or he does something insane, like he. He's just it, it's very revealing about people's personalities, like especially once like it gets to the spicy wings um, and they they're, they're like kind of they can't really hide who they are they're like very very vulnerable and he asks like really good questions that come from a genuine place. It's not like a classic Hollywood interview yeah like celebrities appreciate yeah, it's my career goal to get on the show
0: yeah and I mean, that's that's the new Johnny Carson yeah and also um what was i gonna say um it's my career goal to get on the show oh yeah and i'm just like jealous i'm like i man
1: i wish i thought of that idea it's one of those things right it's so simple but it's it's just awesome but yeah. it takes i i know he's gotten just better and better over the years but like he's he's also he, he in the wings and you never really see him get that Uh, overwhelmed or like flummoxed by it no he's pretty pretty amazing if you forget that he's eating the wings
0: yeah if you eat spicy stuff a lot like i'm now that we're eating at home i'm not eating as much heat but maybe like two years ago i would have so much spicy stuff that i felt like i could like do that show maybe this is arrogant and but i probably i could if you train yourself eating spicy stuff enough then you'll be okay um it was interesting like I I don't know if you ever watched the one with John Mayer he like was not it's fascinating the people who seem to be unaffected by it obviously there's editing involved but like it's fascinating some people you could barely tell that they're
1: having the have you seen the one with Bobby Lee I don't think so that one was one of the funniest He, he gets so aggressive towards uh Sean Evans and Sean Evans at one point goes like what's with the animosity Bobby Like he's like screaming at him tells him to shut up whenever he asks him a question I think he like shits himself one point that's probably my favorite one Bobby Lee that's good yeah it's, it's uh, it is very revealing
0: in terms of like people's ability to handle this like but spice it, it is a chemical reaction so it, it's it's fascinating you, you can't really control it
1: no that's a good one great Yes, that was my nine through seven. Okay. My number six is Ugly Delicious, the David Chang show on Netflix. Um, Definitely probably one of my favorite recent food TV shows. Really, really interesting stuff. He travels around the world, different culinary hotspots. I think my favorite episode is from season two, the one focused around steak. Uh, He goes to Outback Steakhouse with Bill Simmons. Which is really funny. Bill Simmons loves Outback Steakhouse. I don't think I've ever been to an Outback. Um, And also in that episode, uh, his friend David Cho goes to Detroit for a Schwitz where they also serve steak afterwards. I don't know if you remember that episode. I don't know if you've seen that episode. It's like, that's like my dream going with friends to get a Schwitz and then having a steak dinner and they're all like sitting in robes. Um, Yeah, it's just a really good show. And it kind of goes through, focuses on one food or like region of food and like does a deep dive of the history and also like different ways it can be presented. Yeah, so
0: I have Ugly Delicious, actually made number five. Wow, so we have two in a row. Yeah, two and I, is the same. so I actually haven't watched the last two episodes of the second season. So the steak one, I, it's the next one okay. I haven't watched. But um, kind of a lot of what you said, I think it is. Real, so I feel like David Chang is—he's a really good ambassador for for food and like always thinking about food and how it influences all these different things. I think there's some. I, I think with Ugly Delicious, there's some episodes that are truly phenomenal and some episodes that are good, but then some episode, episodes that are like unbelievably good. Um, the Viet Cajun one, yeah. the first season, yeah, yeah. which is kind of about how it's it's about kind of Cajun cooking in New Orleans, but then it kind of really quickly moves to Houston and how a lot of Vietnamese immigrants came to Houston and they're kind of cooking Viet Cajun food and then how kind of Viet Cajun food from Houston has gone back to Vietnam. And I feel like he talks about how food influences culture, but in a way that doesn't beat you over the head with like a message. Yeah. It just kind of good. like lets the food do the talking. Right. And I, I, I love that. And I also love, he's just like, Vulnerable is not the right word, but one of my – another favorite episode is the Indian food episode. I was just thinking that. Where he talks about how he just doesn't really – he says actually he's intimidated by Indian food and it's kind of this interesting, I guess, deep dive you might say into the history of Indian food and um, there's a lot of talk about how a lot of other kind of cuisines of the world have maybe gotten their moment in the culinary – scene, I guess, in yeah. New York City, and Indian food really hasn't, and kind yeah. of ask why, and how there's all these different regional
1: differences in Indian food, and a lot of Aziz, people... Sorry, his family's in that episode. Yeah, a funny moment.
0: yeah, and I, it actually made me sad, so Floyd Cardoz, who's in this episode, um, he's a pretty well-known Indian restaurateur in New York. He... Um, opened up Bombay Bread Bar which was a restaurant I've actually oh, wow. been to a few times and it actually closed I think a little bit before the pandemic but he actually died from from covid Oh really um yeah I don't think I knew that wow and it made me really sad cuz it I, I was like oh he's he would be the type of he he was what he was doing was like being really creative and and kind of showcasing different regional cuisines of India and showcasing it in a way that was just like good food and like accessible isn't the right word, um, to, you
1: know, the rest of, uh, Americans, but right. Kind of that, sh- that, that place was like one of the, the newest, like hip modern, like Indian places. I remember it.
0: it yeah, it was really good. I, I've been there. Uh, actually went there for my sister's birthday and I was there, I think another time as well. Uh, definitely at least two times, I think two or three times. Um, yeah, it was only open for not that long, but, um, yeah, I think Indian food – we talked about Indian food a little bit, but yeah, it's so regionally varied. And the Indian food I've had now I'm realizing is mostly like from northern, from the Punjabi region. But it's like something that I'm like – this food is the, – the country has so – or the region really has so much to offer. And um, yeah, like it, his show uh, is able to make me excited about food and then also just about like culture – and how yeah. like you could appreciate different cultures and how each culture kind of works off each other,
1: um, and the bad things about that, but also the the good and positive things about it. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't think I've been exposed enough to quality Indian food. I haven't. I've, I've probably gone to an Indian restaurant like two or three times. I've always, I think, I've enjoyed it, but I never, when I'm like someone thinks says like, "What are you in the mood for?" I've, top of my head, is never really Indian.
0: Yeah. Well. Sorry, I burped. Um, one, of, one of the things he talks about oh, in the burp and Ernie, one of the things he talks about in the show is how a lot of Americans who aren't Italian could kind of are kind of somewhat knowledgeable about the different regions and different wines and different types. You know, how southern Italian food is a little bit different than northern, but nobody knows that with India. And then Floyd Cardoze actually says like that he didn't even know that until he started right. really uh, doing research. Interesting. Yeah. So well, great great show.
1: I'm not a big fan of the eating with the hands thing. I don't like the scoop, but using your hand as like a that turns me off a little bit. So I've I don't never like, like I've using never your hand a cup soup. Yeah,
0: I've never done it, but I can't knock it until I try it. And then also like it's um so like with, with that, it's like, well, now there is technology where you don't need to do that, but is there something of, clearly like it's 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 it is still that for a reason. Right. You know? So I feel like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock it till I till I do it.
1: Alright, I'm gonna knock it. All New right. York Knox. Kevin Knox. Knox. Nice. Knock knock. Bagel and Knox. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my number six, right? Ugly Delicious? Is that is it the number know? six or number five? So my number five is Unwrapped with Mark Summers. An absolute classic Food Network show. Uh, I think Mark Summers kind of made this show so much fun to watch because it was, you know, the guy, the host of Double Dare, but he's not covered in goo. He's he's surrounded by food. It does it's it's kind of a, a similar premise. to Ugly Delicious, a little bit where it like does a deep dive on certain foods and finds the origins and the history behind how it gets made. I think my favorite episode is the ice cream toppings where he goes into really, like, the history of chocolate syrup and, like, maraschino cher- cherries and sprinkles. And it's always just, like, an easy watch. Uh, you learn a little bit, but it's Mark Summers. He's bubbly. Summer Sanders, not figuring it out. Um, yeah, I think it, it just reminds me of a younger version of myself enjoying watching and learning about food.
0: Yeah, I've never seen – I do know Steve Summers. i wasn't to a lot of Steve Summers over the years. Have you? Yeah. Who's Steve Summers? It's like a WFAN radio guy. I
1: don't think I know that guy.
0: You don't know Steve Summers? No. No? Oh, you love him. I don't think so. I forget what team, I think he's maybe a Mets fan. I might be really botching this, but whatever team he is a fan of, it was always like doom and gloom. And you just got to yeah, love like a
1: doom and gloom sports talk radio host. Yeah, those guys are fun. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you haven't seen uh, Unwrapped. It feels like it's always on late night on Food Network.
0: I haven't. So now we don't have cable, so I'm not not doing as much surfing.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I think you've enjoyed Unwrapped. It's really more, I think, it's a Mark Summers-driven show, and he's just a great host. I think one of the most underrated hosts of all time. My number four is the classic (coughs) Hall of Fame Unbeatable show. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. Can't... It's just... It really speaks for itself. Guy Fieri is an absolute legend. Um, goes to these... I mean, I the, the pod, the backs. know I'm a huge diner guy. I feel like my brand is diners. I like to steal toothpicks and mints from diners. Shout out to the Braze Bits meme that Lance put out today. It's just... It's, it's fantastic. Guy Fieri is an entertainer. He always somehow either, like, flirts with the chef or, like, gets the chef laughing somehow. He's great riffing on in the moment. Uh, he has great reactions to when he tastes food. Uh, he's always entering Flavor Town. always has that red car that he shows up in. Um, yeah, Guy Fieri, it's, it's He's just always – whenever Diners Drivers and, and dri- Dives comes on TV, it's hard for me to turn it off. Yeah, so I don't
0: have diner Drive-Ins and dives on my list. It was probably like wow. number like eleven or twelve, maybe overall. I think it's good, and yeah, if it's on, I won't. I'm probably gonna watch it, but I, he doesn't like. There's a surface level to it where it's just like talking. To, it's like people who go to this place and they're like, "This is good," and then I, I feel like you're not getting. <laughs> it's not in depth enough for me, and I feel like every. Every so many interactions. If you watch enough episodes, so many interactions are too similar. It, it it's like certain beats that are always the same, or it's yeah, it's like the same jokes. It's like similar catchphrases. Um, and I've been to a few places that for, on the show, like sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, and not all of them. I've I, some of them I've been unimpressed by. Um, yeah, I've never been to any of the actual restaurants from the show. Just in terms of like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a good show, but you're not,
1: you're not going to learn really anything. You're just it's, it's it's an entertainment food show. It's more of like it's you get some laughs in. The food looks good, and I, I do I like when they interview the people at the tables, being like, "I've been coming in for forty years, and I've been getting this chicken fried steak, and it's always good." And and it's it's everyone's yeah, in a good mood. You, you it's know, very, it's, it's you, fun.
0: You know what? Maybe it is. It's like a show that like the more you watch it, it just feels like you're watching the same thing over and yeah. over again. Which isn't necessarily bad, but in terms of, I think it has diminishing returns. Like the, I think this fiftieth time you wash it isn't as satisfying as the
1: second time you wash it. Which I mean, I might think you might get banned from Flavortown. Maybe I did go to his restaurant in Times Square. That's, I mean, that's the. The uh, I never went to that restaurant, but the Pete Wells Review review is legendary of that restaurant.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, it was fine. I mean, it wasn't like. I don't know. It was kind of expensive, but it was it was good. Wow! I didn't think it deserved as bad of a review as it got. This was definitely was, after the review because I think the review was like right when it opened, and that's also that's yeah. also kind of tough as a restaurant. You, you're not going to have. I mean, remember when, or maybe we're not a good, good example because the first time we cooked in the pod kitchen, we were on point. But usually, when you open up a podcast iron skillet or a restaurant, you're going to have some, you know, some things you got to work out. Sure, sure.
1: Did you go with Kate to the
0: Guy No, it was when so it was when I, I worked at Bro Bible and we all went. Like oh nice! I don't know. I guess it was like two or three months after it opened, nice. and um, yeah, we wrote about it. There's an article somewhere. Maybe I'll try to find it. Um, yeah, but we all thought it was like it was fine, but it wasn't. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't amazing, but it definitely wasn't like. As close to as horrendous as it was made out to be,
1: right? Interesting.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: that was my number four. Awesome. Uh,
0: what do I got? So number six. Oh,
1: number six, I have Man versus Food. You said Man versus Food? Yeah. I can't believe I forgot that show. That's my. That's gonna be my fried calamari. Yeah, Jesse's.
0: He's got a wistful look. He's looking away from the from the screen ashamed or, or something man versus food talking about rep repetitive things like like diners drivers and dives he would have like the same beats for every i always like he would he would talk about like a mountain of pancakes with you know butter and then he'd be like and to top it all off 17 pounds of cream he'd always say stuff like that um man versus food so Adam Richmond, I think it was so it's still going on, but it's a new host, and I've watched the new one, and it's not close to as good as the one with Adam Richmond. New guys stinks. Adam Richmond, <laughs> sure that you guys fine. The problem is you're following Adam you Richmond, awful. Who is incredible. Um, a combination of he was like he he leaned into the show, and oh, yeah. there was a character that the show demanded, and he it kind of reminds me of a little bit of Jack Black in School of Rock, where like it's it's a it's a great role. For the character, um, I always loved the eating challenges. I watched it primarily when I was in college, and I think that was the the types of food shows I was, I was more into. I think if I watched it now, I wouldn't. I would think it was kind of more disgusting than being like, yeah. "Oh, I like." Every time I watched it, I was like, "Oh, I want to eat that," and I'd be like, right. "Oh, I could eat that," or "I can't eat that." Um, and uh, Adam Richman, his his episode of Hot Ones is great. He is. The show, he is so much, I think, smarter than what you what you would think from someone who, yeah, you know, hosted Man vs. Food. He's also a big Tottenham fan, which I
1: love. Uh-huh. He's also he's a, a New York Jew. I'm pretty sure. He, he, I've seen interviews with him outside of the show. He does come across a lot smarter than he, than he is portrayed on Man vs. Food. But I, I love that show. I agree with he, he's an amazing performer. He leans into it. He embraces his like quirkiness and like th- th- not afraid to uh just be like corny and kind of like unabashedly just like fully into whatever he's doing for the show which you, you gotta love
0: yeah you gotta love and then you gotta like i'm glad that he doesn't do it anymore because clearly
1: it was like unbelievably unhealthy yeah and uh, i've seen i think he did like a pizza review with the guy from barstool and like he doesn't i don't think he resents the, like, that he's like known for man vs. food, but I could tell that he like is trying to prove that he's not like just the like, guy. He was doing a character. Well, yeah. he's not just that guy.
0: Yeah, I mean honestly, from listening to his Hot Ones interview, I'm like this guy is fascinating, and I would like anything that he puts out, I would, uh, I would consume. Yeah. And to top it all off, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: number five, I had Ugly Delicious. Kind of talks about it. I one thing I also like about David Chang is that I think he does. He simultaneously like he's very proud of being Korean, and he clearly has a strong sense of like of that in his cooking. Like a lot of his, you know, his momofuku, it's like yeah. Um, but also at the same time, he's um, like he's open and interested in other cultures in terms of like cooking, like you can see it with the cooking, right. It's like, there's a lot of influences in, in his cooking. Um, and I love that simultaneous. And I think that's like the, I, I think that's the way to be. And I think, I don't know. That's how I think we both are with like Judaism. It's like, we're proud that we're Jewish, but we're also like curious and open to other cu- cultures and, and things like that. And yeah, um, I think it's reflected. Like he, I think reflects that in a, in a nice way. Have you been to Momofuku sambar in east village i've I've been to the original one sambar that's like the one of the newer ones right I think so yeah is that the yeah. one on second avenue yeah yeah 15th. that one is I don't know if it's newer but it's not the I've been to the the original one that's the only one I've been to which was good and I've been to fuku a few times like the the fried chicken fat yeah. more fast casual one which is good I'm not a big dark meat chicken sandwich guy but it,
1: it's undeniably good and the sauce is great yeah they they have a fuku at Mazda Square Garden it's, it's usually pretty solid for like a a sports concession stand food yeah but Momofuku Sambar I, I've been there a couple times it's amazing always like really creative dishes and like just every every bite is like mind blown
0: yeah I'd definitely be interested in going I know we gotta, we gotta go to Carmine's first but maybe that's number two yeah, tequila shot and calamari. Yeah, Get locked into it. Yeah, you're doing a lot of drinking, tequila shots, pina coladas. Yeah, I have to bring my water bottle. I'm bringing it back to being a booze bag. Yeah. Um, what do I have? Number four. I have bizarre foods. Wow, another good one. So bizarre foods is a show that I've watched a lot and. It was one of the first shows that I think it, it's it gets you I think just as interested in travel as it does food. I like Andrew Zimmern is the host. Another another New York Jew, uh, sensing a theme here. Hmm. yeah, you know, we, we have we're New York Jews, we got the well in New Jersey, but New York. Yeah. Yeah. We that got this podcast. I think we're just trying to set ourselves up to host one of these shows. That'd be a dream. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it, I mean, the show is, um, there's a lot of seasons, but he travels to different countries and explores the cuisines. And there definitely is like, I mean, it was done, I think, I don't know when the first episode came out, but maybe 15 years ago, maybe even 20 years ago at this point, probably, uh, probably 16, 17 years ago. Um, and there might be a sense of like, I, I don't know, I think he, I think he does it in a, um like a respectful way, but you could argue there might be like a, like a, almost an imperialistic tone sometimes to the show mm. if you want to read it negatively. Um, but I think ultimately it's just a show about exploring different cuisines and, um, you know, uh, and being interested in, I mean, the, the show's original premise and it moved from it. I think like originally it was like, I'm going to go to these quote unquote foreign places and eat like crazy things that I guess are out of the norm for Americans. And in the beginning, I think it was more about that. But then as the show progresses, it's just more about like, you know, eating food and talking to people. And, um, right. I thought he was, he's like, uh, a really interesting thing story. He was an addict and he got sober and then he like turned his life around and hosted the show and he's a successful chef. Um, but he's like, he, he he's very, um, he's very curious, but also energetic, but also like is grounded and clearly like that kind of those, those experiences are reflected in how he I think he connects with people pretty well. So I think he's like a good, he's a good ambassador for uh, appreciating food, I think.
1: Yeah. Definitely love that show. Classic show. Even when you're describing that show, it reminds me of a show that's not on my list, but I feel is like kind of like the, the godfather for all these like travel shows is um, the Anthony Bourdain Travel. What's, what's what was that show called? Well, so there's a
0: few of them. Uh, I could just go into original? that. But if he's my so Bourdain. Just in general, is my number three. Um, yeah. He has he had three shows. Um, no Reservations is the first the first one. The first no major Reservations
1: one is the, the Godfather. Yeah,
0: Parts Unknown was like the more recent one on CNN. Um, yeah, so I feel like I don't know what came out first. If No Reservations was before Bizarre Foods, but it's kind of of the same um, time period. Where it was like, you know, in these both these cases, white guy goes around the world and eats food. Um, but I yeah, think that's a, that's a, is an
1: addict was former addict also. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, that's a very negative way to to read these. I think read these shows, but it's bas- they're basically food travel shows, and yeah. they're kind of the first of of their kind, or at least that I'm aware of. Um, and Bourdain, yeah. So Bourdain's my number three. I'll just do number three, and then we'll we'll go back. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm... Sorry, were you a Bourdain guy?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. um, So I feel like I... Like, I have read most of his books, and I feel like in terms of, like, Kitchen Confidential is definitely... Like, I read it... I read it, like, maybe a year and a half after. Maybe, like, 23. Or so, 23, 24. And I feel like if I read that when I was 15, I would have 100% went to culinary school. Wow. Like, it was one of the best, most influential books I've ever read and definitely got me way more interested in food than I ever had been. And I think that was really, I mean, and this is the same thing that you could, I feel like you just read articles and watch videos of chefs and so, and especially younger chefs. So many people say that of like, I read Kitchen Confidential and it changed my life and combination of just like a really great writer, but also very knowledgeable and also just very open and honest. And he was, I mean, I think, when he when he killed himself, the reaction was so strong because he was legitimately. And I think it, you could say the similar the similar thing about Kobe is like these were two like Bourdain and Kobe um, were two people who just like if there were more of them in the world, the world would be a better place, right? Um, and like Bourdain, I don't know. You could feel that it, it was like. Uh, I think actually Shaq, or no, not maybe not Shaq said this, but um, someone else who talked. Oh, Jordan! I think Michael Jordan said this of like when Kobe died, a part of him also died. died. Yeah, and I think you could say the same thing about a lot of people. in
1: Bourdain, sure, absolutely. And Bourdain, uh, I I now want to. I've heard about the book Kitchen Confidential. Never actually read it. I definitely want to. Yeah, he was like probably the first person that like opened my eyes up to how much like chefs are like artists and like rock stars and like that the kitchen is not as like for some growing up going to nice restaurants or going to restaurants you don't really think about like what's going on in the kitchen or at least I didn't as much but it, it kind of he revealed to me how like intense it could be how it, didn't he, he he for a long time I've like worked like brunches and how like that could be such like a system. The corporate and like in, in kind of watered down version of what cooking can be. Um, yeah. 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 Um,
0: what was I going to say? I was going to say something that was like, you were saying something, and I was going to say something that was like building up to the conversation, like a good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like you say something, and then I say, like, yeah, but then I add my thing, and then you add your thing, and I was going to do
1: that. But no, this is definitely not an Anthony boring conversation. No.
0: Oh yeah, so the the book is definitely a little bit dated at this point. I mean, it came out I think two thousand. I do think also there's, and I know he expressed regret, like especially with like Me Too stuff. And I don't think this is fair at all. But I I know he like said at one point like you know glamorizing maybe the more negative aspects of, or maybe you know glamorizing the more rock star type debauchery was, I think in retrospect he didn't totally like. Um, but I, I think it's, 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 uh, you know, whether or not he's writing about it doesn't make it exist or not. It's kind of a non. Yes.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the reality.
0: Yeah. It's the reality. It's reality. And also one thing I liked about, I think a lot of people gravitate towards Kitchen Confidential, especially us, like as, as comics, it introduces you, as you said, to
1: chefs and, and the kind of like the, the food world is a, it's an underworld of sorts. Exactly. Exactly, and like, and then like a lot of people that work in the kitchen, like chefs, are a lot of them consider themselves outcasts in places where they couldn't really like find their own their own true selves until they got into the kitchen. That's where they learn how to express themselves. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't find my true self until I got into the pod kitchen. Same here. I'm I'm only learning myself by talking to you. I learned myself by, by brazen. That's right. Um, I do want to note to the Brazerbacks
0: that Jesse moved his position on his laptop, and I see either a St.
1: Louis or Los Angeles Rams hat. Wow. Wow, that's a great eye. Yeah, that that is a hat from that I bought for one show. It was a NFL roast battle show where you were giving a team, and you had to roast battle these other teams, and I bought a Rams hat because I had the Rams was were at that point were they uh, still St. Teron Lewis or were they they were LA Rams LA Best part about that is that the show actually got they canceled the show cuz it got rained out. So I, I spent like 2 weeks writing jokes for this one show and bought a hat never never ended up doing the show.
0: Wow, I do remember seeing that show like being advertised and I was like why aren't I on that show? Every opportunity that I don't have, I get depressed. And then I forgot about it until just now. Great. Yeah, so Bourdain, though, was my my number three in terms of shows. So it shows, like, I watched No Reservations a bunch, and I watched Parts Unknown. Parts Unknown was almost more just like a documentary about a place, more. Like, there was food involved, but it became just like, he was just so good. It it reminds me a little bit of if you watch, like, George Carlin's later comedy. It's still comedy, but it's also something greater, and that's kind of what Bourdain's later stuff,
1: he peels it back to you. Kind of forget like the whole point that it's a food show, and kind of seeing it through his eyes. Yeah, yeah. where he's traveling. Yeah.
0: So I liked his, I, his shows where and I, I wouldn't be. I mean, I don't know if I would be doing this this podcast without without Bourdain. Wow, it's deep. Yeah,
1: and that, that and he's your number three. I can't imagine where number one. He's
0: is. my number three, just because the shows were i feel like the the books and just like articles and pod like he was his books and in combination with like him always being vocal and in i guess food culture uh to me were more significant in terms of how i consumed his stuff than the shows so that's why his shows are number three but as a person
1: in terms of like the people in this he's number one yeah I thought one of the coolest interviews you ever did or episodes was with Obama. I don't, I, they went somewhere, I think, maybe Vietnam. Vietnam. To like a small, yeah. small restaurant. And that was like coolest way to see. I don't think I've ever seen Obama just ha- having a full meal. And then just the way he related to Bourdain was pretty amazing. It's actually one of the
0: things. I love Seinfeld. But I actually thought, have, did you watch the comedians in cars with Seinfeld? Yes. with and Obama. Obama. Yeah. obviously all comedians and cars are with Seinfeld <laughs> yeah. but yeah I actually thought that the, like their chemistry was like it was okay I, I thought Obama was like he he was better than Seinf- he like outperformed oh, yeah. Seinfeld by a lot but I thought he was almost like like I feel like there was at one point where it's like you know Seinfeld's worth a billion dollars or whatever and Obama was like you should do something with he didn't say that, that but I got the tone of like you know, you yeah. have all, all this money. Um, right. They, I don't think they totally um, like. I felt like the the rapport with Bourdain and Obama was like so strong, authentic. Yeah, yeah just yeah. so authentic. I, yeah, it well, wasn't. I, it was, I felt
1: it was really comfortable with anybody else, but a comic because he, he, just like he can only he only relaxes, not relaxes, but he, I feel like he's only really himself when he's around a comic. Yeah, and every time he does, he sees it non comic, he's like, "Who are these people?" What's the deal with these presidents? You're gone. You're Oh,
0: Yeah, that's like I don't know why I'm doing that. It's a very bad Seinfeld impression. <laughs> so
1: it's that's my number three. Shady.
0: That's my number three. But let's go back to the normal uh, three to
1: three. Okay. You know what I mean. So my number three is barefoot Contessa. Food Network show with Ina Garten. I think it was probably the first ever food TV show that I watched watched it with my mom and my sister and my dad and just it's very nostalgic. I love Ina Garten. I could watch her uh, cook for days. I love I love just how like it's it's hard to describe why I love the show so much. And you only really get it unless you watch it. I love that she, she's always cooking for either her husband, Jeffrey, most of the time, or, like, friends, and she, like, does a whole, like, simple multi-course meal and kind of walks you through, like, how she got the ingredients, uh, why she's doing this meal. Like, Jeffrey just had a long day, so I'm making him his favorite pasta dish. It's very homey. You feel like you're, like, in the kitchen with her. Um, she's, uh, she's just an absolute delight. Nothing... Uh, She's not that like funny she's the, you don't really learn that much about any kind of cooking a dish. It's more you you watch for how the the show is shot and kind of like the background of what's going on and it's just it's always it's another show if it's on TV, I can't really turn it off. I love Ina. so one thing I never
0: understood is like the barefoot contessa is that a, like a, a significance of any barefoot
1: contessa? Does that mean something I'm, I'm sure it does. I don't know off the top of my head. Of why it's, it's called the Barefoot Contessa. Why Barefoot Contessa? Because i like, title comes from the Italian word for countess, which was originally used by Garden in her best selling book, The Barefoot Contessa. So the cookbook was turned named after her specialty food store. It still doesn't really.
0: Because all I can think about is barefoot. I'm like, why? What does bare, being barefoot have to do with cooking? Maybe
1: it's like a more natural. Yeah, there's, there's like a wine that's also, the brand is Barefoot. I think it's like a cooking thing. I'm always cooking with shoes on. You don't want to get your feet burned. No. though so being Barefoot, it's the most organic, it's the most natural way to be on Earth.
0: That's true, but I feel like I'm like a laced up Contessa.
1: <laughs> I, I prefer, especially in the summertime, I like to get my beach feet. When you walk around with it with nothing on, you start getting some callus on your feet. Start building up a little uh, Nick Nick Alice on strong your strong skin. Little Nick Allison on the bottom of your foot. Nick callus. Nick. Nick. <laughs> True. Nick callus is very funny too. He's a, a comic. New Jersey he is.
0: Yeah, from New Jersey. Um, Num yeah okay yeah I, I've never watched Barefoot Contessa. Um, I'm familiar with her but I've just never watched the show and I'm worse off for it probably that's
1: fair I think you will like it Um, my number two we talked about Hot Ones speaks for itself absolutely legendary show my favorite episode is Bobby Lee Uh, and my number one is show on YouTube that's put out by Vice called Chef's Night Out it is by far my favorite food oriented show it is the premises. It's like a documentary style show where they go to a restaurant um, and they interview the chefs. They show like um, kind of behind the scenes of how they started the restaurant, and then the chefs go out in the town where they are, like either New York or all all over the world. They go out to their favorite restaurants in the town and like and to their their friends' chefs' restaurants, and they get drunk. They they do drugs. They do, and it's like behind the scenes, they go in this big van, and it's it, it's the most like organic and authentic way that I've seen of how chefs uh, like live in the world, which I think is really cool. And like how they eat food, how they look at food, how they like the, go to a different restaurant and like try a dish, and they're like, "How did the guy? How did this guy make this? We, I need to steal this idea or like recreate it." It's like it's it's unbelievable if you're. Haven't seen it. My favorite episode is the one. It's called State Bird Provisions, which is a restaurant in San Francisco, and they go out to a different restaurants in San Francisco. It's really good. Yeah, I've, I've watched all of them. I wish they kept doing it, but I, it's 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 very revealing. Like, and some chefs like who have famous restaurants like they get too drunk and they like, kind of embarrass themselves on the show, and they don't really like they don't do a lot of editing. They show it's very authentic. Um, yeah, that's my number one: Chef's Night Out. So I've never
0: actually seen it, but have you ever seen Comedy Chef's Night Out? <laughs> I haven't. It's just when we go to Carmine's. Oh, that'd be a dream. It's a show. we,
1: we got to have a camera guy with us. When it's get a out. show that
0: doesn't exist, but maybe it will That'd
1: be a dream. Yeah. I think that'd be hilarious. I show. would be terrible on it. I'm just no I fun. I think we'll if we, if we give you a couple tequila shots. It'd be funny to see. I, like think, I think I would be good would if, I didn't, if I didn't have to
0: carry the show, if I was like the fourth most important person. That'd be very good, but if I, if
1: it revolved around me being interesting, it would be awful, yeah but the, this this show is like they're not they don't act like there's cameras there it's like you're watching just friends eating and cooking, and then oh and then the best part is they go after the night of drinking, they go back to the restaurant and they have to cook a meal while they're drunk, which is like it's amazing like all like the whole all their friends and family are back at the restaurant it's just it's, it's really uh it's really fun to watch. That sounds good. I would love to see a,
0: a chef cook Emil Hirsch drunk. <laughs> Hershey kiss. Emil Hershey kiss. Yeah, it's not a bad episode title. Not bad. The front runner right now. Yeah, that sounds good. I I feel like I've heard of it, but I just never watched it. Yeah, maybe this is a me thing. I don't. I haven't. I've never really consumed much of Vice. Much Vice content because I feel like it's yeah. always like it always has a. Um, it's always like Vice. You know,
1: yeah. I only like their their food content. I don't really know much. I don't. Really I think "fuck that's delicious" is, is Vice, right? Yeah, yeah. and we also have uh, this woman Faraday, who's the culinary director at Vice, and she does cooking shows, which I love. Also, she's right on the border of my top nine. Yeah, I think
0: I should give it more of a chance. I feel like I feel like Vice's attitude for a while was like too cool for school, but then it's like that's I'm projecting. Just walk, no, consume stuff, and if you like it, you like it.
1: Yeah, um, Chef's Night Out is an absolute blast. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll I'll check it out. Checking it out. So number two
0: for me, I have Salt, Fat, Acid Heat. Nice. Which is a a mini-series, I guess you would say. It's only four episodes. um, Based off of the cookbook, Salt, Fat, Acid Heat. Uh, Samin Nasrat, I might be mispronouncing her name, but she is a, a chef. And the show, the whole premise of the cookbook and the show is, if you master four elements of cooking—salt, fat, acid, and heat—that's kind of all you need to know to become a good chef. And you know, you can incorporate. You don't. It's it's kind of more about like following recipes. If you if you know if you know the elements, the foundation, then you don't really
1: have to obsess over recipes, right. which is is how I like cooking. Yeah. Once you have the knowledge inside of you and you don't have to think about it. Exactly. And just kind of being knowledgeable about how the foundation works, which I love. Um,
0: I think – so this is the show that I've learned the most about cooking, uh, particularly the acid and the heat episodes. The heat episode is in lo- alone like just like little things that I didn't know in terms of like the amount of salt, different types of – like all types of salt that you buy are kind of different Um, things about cooking in an oven that I didn't know about Um, the idea of just like very simple, but like the whole premise of, of cooking is that you kind of while you're cooking something, you want to get the outside and the inside cooked in the way you want it at the same time. And that you should orient your cooking strategy kind of around that which is very simple, but like the more you you just put it into words and, and kind of applying that practice, um, huge game changer for me. And I just think her attitude about food is just like one that should be around more. And this is, so this was this is something that I looked at for myself, but like, as I was making this list, I realized this is the only show that I've had that I have on the list that is, um, like a woman host. And um, I realized like, and maybe just cause I'm watching more stuff that are, are men driven, but there's definitely like, like I feel like chef's table, for example, there, there are women chefs featured in chef's table, but it's this very like <clears throat> auteur, like um, I created this type, like I'm a brilliant artist type thing. And um, I feel like that's like a more masculine way of, of producing sure. things in the world. And like, uh Samin, like in one of the episodes um talks about how like she when she has people over she likes to get everyone involved and you're creating something together and I'm like that's such a much better way of of doing it than being like right. you know obsessing over stuff and being this tortured genius while everybody else in your house just kind of sits there and waits for you to finish project. why don't you just like have fun make it a more communal experience get everybody involved um yeah and I think she takes um Similar to what we were talking about with Action Bronson, actually, I think she takes, like, I, I think her whole, a lot of the show was just about taking elements of cooking that seem intimidating and making them more accessible but without diluting their necessity and, and power. Um, I think she kind of unmasked a lot
1: of the what could be more intimidating things about cooking. Right. I've, I've she's amazing. I, I agree with what you said. She has amazing energy I, th- I think I've only seen the Salt episode of that series. I want to keep watching. But she's just, like, very fun to watch. Like, she's educational, but also, like, is not pretentious about yeah. it at all. And it's just fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, the Acid episode, that
0: I realized that was what was missing in my cooking. I just was didn't understand how Acid worked. And, honestly, after watching that episode, my cooking has really uh, wow. elevated. I'll keep it. Yeah. Um, so that's my number two. And then my number one is Chopped. Classic. And number one kind of by far. I love Chopped. I watch a lot of Chopped. Um, I yeah. love – I think it has the com- the combination of like elements of like what we're talking about with chefs in the food world. The judges are all accomplished chefs. And kind of what you're talking about maybe with Chefs Night Out, there is a camaraderie with the judges. Um, yeah. But then also there's chefs who are – Generally like working their way up in the, in the industry, um, cooking these really interesting inventive things under pressure. So there's the competition element. There's the creativity element. Um, there's the chef's world element. Um, I like to see different – like it's just interesting to see as we always talk about chef's interpretation. Yeah, Chopped is the ultimate version of chef's, chef's interpretation. You got to take ingredients and inter- interpret them. I feel like as I've watched the show more and more, and I've, as I've gotten to be a better cook, like I used to just watch it as like a fun, relaxing. I'd have it on like while I was like cooking, um, but now I like I feel like sometimes I see these baskets and I'm like, oh, I would do this with that. So that's right. a cool personal thing. Uh, it turns out that I would make a lot of sliders, which you would appreciate. I feel like half the time <laughs> I see these baskets, I'd be like, oh, I'd make sliders. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I think it showcases almost everything that I like about food shows. Um, it showcases technique, but not a pret- in a pretentious way. You learn about food. There's the element of the chef, like wor- like how the food world works and, and chefs. Um, and then there's different like cultures. So you know, there's a million different chefs from a million different backgrounds, and a lot of times chefs will cook, you know, as an homage to to what they know or their culture. So you kind of also learn different cultural right. cooking techniques. So it's got everything and Ted Allen, the host is also a great host for the show and it kind of ties it all together. I think
1: for some reason I could never get into, I, I've watched a lot of chop. For some reason I never became a huge fan. I think the Iron judges, my, my thing was that they, I think they get a little nitpicky with some of their feedback. Like it, it seems I, whenever I would watch, they, I feel like they always say like a little small detail, like this is a little, has a little too much lemon zest and, and like always, looking for the smallest little thing that went wrong, and I also don't love when they cut to commercial, like the, the way they cut to commercial, they tease things uh, and like wait till like the last decision and then go to commercial and then they'll go to another commercial. It's a lot of heightened drama. Overall, I enjoyed the the competition of it, but for some reason, I just those little things got my nerves.
0: Yeah, I could I could see where you're saying. I mean, so I think they just to maintain the drama of the show. Sometimes it's clear, like it's not always, but there's a few episodes where there's one chef who's like head and shoulders better than the others, but they still have to say something to maintain the element of drama within the show. I actually had a bit of that. I did, I used to do about that, but it never caught on. But I would say that, you know, sometimes the judges would be like this salad. It's just, it's just a little bit too green. And, (laughs) and then their advice is like, never makes sense. So I'd say like, what I was hoping you'd do with this salad is that I was hoping you'd have it defeat Donald Trump in the 2016 election. It's <laughs> just like the advice sometimes is absurd, but I feel, exactly. I feel like that's, exactly. that's rare. But it does stand out sometimes. Yeah. Um, I suspend my disbelief with some of the elements of the show. Um, I think the positives that it offers outweigh those. I could say, but I can see what you're saying with those slightly annoying things. However, I do think that as, like, the more I've I've been interested in food. Sometimes, like maybe as four years ago, I think uh, something they say was was stupid. Now I'm like, oh, I could see. that That does sound specific, but I could see why you're saying that. Right. Like even something like one thing they talk, like it's it's made me think about a lot about like plating is something that they talk about a lot. And um, one thing that a common critique is if you, if there's a lot of negative space on a plate or if they don't maximize, you know, like the space of of a dish, of, of a plate. And I used to think, like, who cares? But now I'm like, oh, that does make sense in terms of the overall composition and aesthetic of, of something.
1: Sure. Especially if you're in a restaurant and, like, you're, yeah. you're presented a dish that yeah. you're paying for. Yeah. no, yeah. yeah. Solid top nine. Solid top nine. So we only had, what do we have? Hot ones, ugly, delicious. And I think that's it. I think that is it. It's surprising. I thought we would have more. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you didn't have diners, drives, and dives. Nah, leads uh, leads me into a new. I have a new segment to present. It is uh, Lance's mate, Kate rates Lance's top nine. Or I couldn't really think of a great segment title of it. But I asked Kate what she thought your top nine. I asked her for a couple of her predictions of your favorite food TV shows. Okay, she was very spot on. She said definitely Chop is high up on the list. Nailed that. Kate's a hammer. She nailed that. She said salt fat acid heat will be on there. The David Chang Netflix show nailed that. So far, three for three. But then she throws in diners, drive ins and dives, which did not make the cut. Wow. Which surprised me and her. Wow. I love the segment. I'm
0: so glad it's happening. I feel like I feel like my wife is gonna be more accurate than Wackleberg.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I would hope so. So Wack Goldberg, again. He
0: so I, I props to Wack Goldberg number one. I forgot about the Wack Goldberg segment until literally two minutes before we were supposed to tape or record tape. Um, and I messaged him and he responded. I was like, "If obviously, don't worry about it." And he said he responded. He said, "Yikes, this is a challenge. Cause it's a tough. It's a tough topic to guess." And he said, "But he said, but I'm not one to shy away." And he said, "Diners, drives, and dives." Got him. He said, "Chopped."
1: <clears throat> he said, "The Chef Show." Ah, oh, that was on the brink. That's the John, uh, not the John Favreau. Oh, yeah, it is. It, it is the Chef Show. Is John Fabro show? Really, I never heard of it. It's 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 on Netflix, I believe. He goes around with um, Roy Choi. It's a different uh, food trucks, and also cooks things in different kitchens. It's like an extension of the movie,
0: the Chef movie. That sounds great. I'll check that out. He said, really "He good. said if Jesse has if Jesse has never seen the Chef's show, I know he'd like it." I love. So that's it. That's a it's whack really Goldberg good. recommendation. And then he said, "Wild card, Cake Boss."
1: <laughs> Classic whack. Whack thinks I drink chocolate milk and watch Cake Boss. What? A, that's so whack. Whack Whack has consistently gotten one.
0: Yeah, he's gotten one, and then he's always like come very close on the brink with another one. He's always in the ballpark. He's just right outside the ballpark. He's he for some reason maybe he he got tickets to the game, but then he like left them at home, so he's just yeah. like
1: watching outside. <laughs> Took the subway to Yankee Stadium, and someone pickpocketed the tickets.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> so he said, he said, "If Jesse has never seen the Chef Show, I know he'd like it." Insert food pun. <laughs> Wow, whack. Keep yakking, whack.
1: That's great. Uh, All right, do you want to move on to some ads? Sure. I got an ad. Uh, This is a new sponsor. This is an advertisement from Chopped Creative Salads. Do you like the show chops, but wish they focused only on salads? Come on down to your local Chopped Creative Salads, where our $30 sallies will be a field of greens. Sally greens. Sally field. This one's out of left field. Check out our Mexican Caesar salad, which is just a Caesar salad but with jalapenos. Ooh, spicy meatball. We don't have meatballs, but we do have meat salads. Come on down to chop, where we don't like to chew things, so we chop them up like small, like for babies, baby greens. I
0: love that. That's good to have chopped on board. I know we've been trying to get them for a while. Yeah, love chopped. That's great. We have another advertisement, another new sponsor. We have Terra Veggie Chips. Terra Veggie Chips. Do you miss riding on planes? Do you like plain bagels? Have you seen snakes on a plane? If you answered yes or no to any of these questions, then you'll love Terra Veggie Chips. Both chips and not chips at the same time, Terra Veggie Chips will bring your stomach back to being really hungry while also being on a plane. Will these bags of chips and Joanna Gaines's be enough food? No one really knows. Will you feel both empty and full after eating them? Probably. But in the words of great orator Yogi Tara, the bag of chips ain't over until it's over. Terra veggie chips, they're good enough.
1: Wow, a huge sponsor. Would love to get a couple free bags of those Terra chips. <laughs> yeah. Delicious. Yeah. Who are they? Fantastic. Who are they? Who are they?
0: Who are they is, is the real question.
1: Yeah. Yogi yeah. Tara. Strong. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh I should move on to was that a joke sure um, I'll, I'll get on base with an ITAJ I went to uh, I went back home to my uh, childhood home my parents home I considered it my home um, and I was there for a few days and I would go on these walks around the neighborhood and every I you forget I go that you kind of grew up in this neighborhood and you kind of know, you know your neighbors. You know, this is where you grew up. You, knew, you know, I knew a lot of people in my neighborhood. I'll go on these walks and at least on every walk, I would have three run-ins with a friend, a family friend, a, a person, a neighbor. And it got to a point where I was like, is this a joke? Like, I can't even, I, I'm trying to go for a walk, listen to a podcast, listen to music. I get people driving up to me, say, trying to catch up People, people saying hello uh, got to a point where I, I kind of I, – I wanted to – it reminded me of why I, I enjoy Astoria because it's a lot quieter. It's out of the city. You're not running into people. It, it, it was nice talking to people because on one hand, I had been isolated a lot socially and during quarantine and haven't run into people organically. But at a certain point, I was like, "Is this a joke? And Is this like, are people like, spying on me and trying to follow me on the street?" Yeah, it um, sounds like you were. Yeah. sounds like you were sworn
0: by the Tom paparazzi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly, and I mean, I guess these people are following me up from TikTok.
0: Yeah, they're definitely following me from TikTok, um, TikTok Diner. But nice. um, that's interesting because when I was on Long Island at uh, Chez May Pechon. Um, there's a lot of, there's a ton of Apple turnover, almost every house in our, like, so our neighborhood is off like a more main street. And then when you turn onto the neighborhood, it's maybe 20 houses in all. Um, and I would say like 15 out of the 20 are owners that like weren't there when I grew up. So it's all new people, and I feel like they're looking at me, and they're like, "Who? Wh- wh- what are you doing, Bup?" Right? You know? you're, you're the
1: OG. You Got it? flash the I know, but they don't know that because is- I'm,
0: I'm not there. So it's like they're like, "Who's this guy?" And I'm like, "I get Wrong. it." Yeah, no. you know, it's like the suburbs, and people just like look at. They're like, "This is a foreign object." Yeah. Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Um. So yeah, that's interesting. That that. that so when I like when I was walking around and in my neighborhood when I was there I would see people but they wouldn't know me and I wouldn't know them so there'd be like a some people it was varied it wasn't everyone was the same but some people were like hey what's up how are you like very yeah. friendly but in like a sort of formal way but then there were a few people who were like who's this guy right this guy's up it got to, to a
1: point whenever I'm now in the suburbs if I hear the, if someone drives past me or if I walk past somebody I, I give 100% of the time I'll say hello no matter what because it could be somebody I don't remember that i knew and i've gotten like a last couple times when i came home i was going for a jog and apparently one of my mom's friends drove past me i didn't wave at her and she texted my mom being like jesse didn't see me or something so now I, I say hi to everybody yeah no you got it's saying hi in the suburbs is you got it, it's the culture it's a nice thing it's a, it's, it's nice saying hi I, I wish i did that more in the city just saying hi to everybody it will get, it get to, too much but
0: yeah at some point it would just suburb your enthusiasm true yeah it would yeah uh mine was that joke so i wrote some jokes in french um nice to try out to my to my two i was like that's that's something one of the reasons one of my kind of i guess loose goals is to like do comedy in french because i figure that getting successful in american stand-up comedy is too hard so i don't i feel like if i learn another language it'd be easier It's not a bad take. So that's like, it is one of my goals though. And I realized how like number, like I've made a lot of progress learning French, but I also have a long way to go because stand up, you really have to intimately, you got to know the language. Like, you know, we know our bodies.
1: Yeah. And especially you can have jokes, but once you're in front of a crowd, you got to be able to think on your feet and almost not think. Exactly. Be, Be at a point where you're not thinking. So that's, in a different language, I can't even imagine doing that.
0: Yeah, so like I delivered some of these jokes and some of them he got, my my teacher, but then I could also feel him being like, oh, is that a joke?
1: Because I just, <laughs> the
0: combination of, I made there was like a, too many, there was like some gr- grammatical mistakes and then my accent, I clearly have, you know, like an American accent and then also the timing isn't totally there. So you, you right. put those three things together that are super important. Um yeah. It didn't work. I'll tell you one of them, or yeah, I'll tell you one of them in English, and you'll tell me if you think it's a funny joke. Um, so what I say? Like, uh, uh, like with the virus, um, you know, like a lot of people in America don't want to wear their mask. They think it's against their, their freedom. And I agree, because, you know, in our country, freedom is really important, and we should all have the freedom to destroy our
1: country. That's fine. Yeah, no, but that's like... A, that's a joke.
0: Yeah, but like... And then I had another one of like, you know, like I do stand-up in New York and uh, I've always wanted to do stand-up in in French, but obviously, you know, it's tough because I'm not funny. <laughs>
1: that's probably... That's, I like that one better. That one's better. Yeah,
0: but like both of them, like there was like a connection of like that's a joke, but at the same time, I, I got the sense he was like, is, is that a joke? Right. Right. It's so probably hard to find the punchline. It's just is the time, my in? timing, and then like if you make make a grammatical mistake, it's it's all on that. Like people just you just focus yeah. on that, and then Definitely. my timing isn't totally there. So yeah,
1: that's awesome. Good for you. That's a good challenge.
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna try to like, I'm gonna try to like rework them a little bit, and yeah, keep doing that.
1: Is Gad Almalay, Is he French?
0: Yeah. Well, I think Would he's I think he's me. Moroccan actually. Um,
1: I mean, he's very popular in France He's right? very
0: popular in France. yeah
1: it'd be interesting I, I think I read an interview with him because he I think is like at one point was like the most popular comedian in France. yeah and he came to America to like challenge himself to do it in, in English and to learn how to do stand-up in English. So it'd be interesting if, if you uh, read some of his yeah
0: interviews. I've watched a lot of his stuff, and he um, he has a Netflix show actually it's called "Huge in France. And the premise is basically, like, he's this he's the Seinfeld of of France. And then he comes to America and, like, tries to make it. Or he actually, it's kind of actually, it's, he doesn't try to make it. He tries to like, he focuses on his family. But then he, like, kind of gets roped into stand-up a little bit.
1: Um, but it's uh, it's good. He's also got a huge leg up being globally famous. So, like, I think when he came to New York. Yeah, he started doing the able, cellar. Yeah, and yeah, he was able to, I think, he also had, like, a, a standing... Standing show at uh, Joe's Pub where he would he would like, like he had he had some uh, good rooms to work out in. He wasn't doing open mics. No, he wasn't. He wasn't doing climate lounge. No, paying to paying to get up. No. Sweet. Let's get into some uh, some goose. That QAB. Let's do it. I've got a very simple one that I'm gonna try not to get too riled up about. But speaking about our list of about hot ones, I, the other day, ordered... I'm a big buffalo wing guy. I love buffalo sauce. Some might say I have the buffalo sauce addiction. I ordered buffalo wings from my favorite place in Astoria. Um, buffalo style wings, wings of buffalo sauce. They came. I got wings with garlic parmesan sauce on them. I mean, either this was a blatant mistake or they were like out of buffalo sauce and just decided to give me a different sauce, which I, I – it's just – it was nothing worse when you're craving something, you're excited about something. I got delivery, treated myself, and then it's just not – it's a subpar. wasn't great. Uh, I've been stung by it ever since. It's more than questionable. It's its just absolutely horrendous. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to support this restaurant again. I'm definitely not going to plug them in the pod. It's just uh, a part of me wanted to be a, a male Karen and call up the restaurant, but I didn't have that in me. Uh, I just swallowed uh, swallowed my pill, and I'm going to move on, and, and, but not great. Yeah, not I mean,
0: that sounds like a Buffalo blow, if you ask me. <laughs> it was. Rebecca Lobo. Rebecca Lo- Rebecca Lobo. Classic. One of the best WNBA players in history. Legend. Um. That sounds bad. Garlic parmesan, I think, are fantastic for like two or three wings, but then
1: yeah, it, it falls off a uh, cliff. It, yeah, ex- ex- Exactly. It was. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll be fine. I had one or two, and then it's like, I can't have any more of this. No.
0: They should only Buffalo give you. Wings. They should only give you three garlic parmesan wings. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Way too. Way too much fat. You need some more salt and acid.
0: Well, I think they have garlic and they have Parmesan and too much of those two things on mm-hmm. a wing is not as good as a Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. Um, I'm so That sounds bad. I'm sorry. I have I, nothing, I have nothing to offer but my condolences. I really appreciate it. Yeah. But I'm glad that you have turned this into like, it seems like you're not letting it um, weigh you down like day to day. You're not no. harping on it and you're, you're understanding, it's, it's
1: part of your journey now, but you're moving on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I've, I've got a, you know, a little bit of, a, some scars on me. I've got, I'm going to, I'm going to get better from this.
0: Yeah. You have some scars, but maybe it'll be some good symbol, symbolism. Sure. <laughs> Lion King. All right. My was that a joke is like thirsty email, emails, thirsty emailers. Spotify, in particular, I'm thinking about. They keep telling me that I could get back on premium. First, it was like three months of nine ninety nine. Now it's like a partner thing with twelve ninety nine. They don't stop. They're ruthless. And how yeah. I mean, you I'm not a subscribe guy. I don't unsubscribe. I just I just let them sit in the rejection. I'm just like, at what? At what point is
1: enough enough? I think the enough is enough is well. You unsubscribe. I know you got to start unsubscribing. It's a great feeling. I don't know. I don't know if I could. do I started that. unsubscribing, and it really—it's uh, good for rental. It's good for—it cleans up your your email box, and it, 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 it's a good thing. I think you should get. You should, you should try to let yourself unsubscribe. There's no reason to torture yourself with these thirsty emails. I don't torture myself. I just, I just, I just like to see what's. I just like to see what's happening.
0: Like I like to, to. Observe like a from, from a like pain.
1: You like the pain of these emails. I like to
0: see the I like to see the lengths that come because this is like corporate America now, so I like to see that the lengths that these companies will go, how desperate they could be, and how shameless they could be. On Showtime and the British series. Great show. Emmy Rossin, beautiful. Yeah, I only watched like two or three episodes and I didn't have Showtime, so I like watched with some trial or something, like two or three episodes and I really liked it and then I didn't have Showtime, so I just never watched it again.
1: First, like, three seasons are phenomenal, and then they kind of, like, ran out of storylines that got outrageous. The first few seasons are great.
0: Yeah. I do love um, the William H. Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. (laughs) Who (laughs) doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't love a big balloon with Al Roker? Yeah, my sister was in it one year. No way. Yeah. Parading. Nice. Yeah. I forget. It It sounded like it sounds fun, but then when you think about it, like she had to wake up at like four in the morning, and you can't go to the bathroom. Yikes! That
1: sounds like mi- miserable.
0: Yeah. So, I just think it's QAB that Spotify keeps emailing, and I guess it's also QAB that I'm not unsubscribing. But I'm like, get over yourself.
1: It's over. <laughs> <laughs> then they, they never say never. They're trying to rope you back in. I guess Ebert and Robert. Yeah. Alright, let's let's bring in the the Mariano Rivera. The John Franco. Let's do it. The John Rocker. The Al Rocker. A one. A two. A one, two, three, four. Bits, Bitch, 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 bitch. Bitch, 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 bitch.
0: Bitch, 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 bitch. Bits. Bitch, 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 bits. Bitch, 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 bits. Bitch,
1: bits. Nice one. That was good. Backing up
0: at the end. Yeah, okay. your uh, your sound effects this time really got me.
1: High-pitched bits. You got it in the plug?
0: Mm, do I have anything to plug? No. Oh, subscribe to the pod. You know what I think we should do? You know how when you listen to some pods in the beginning, they have like a pre-recorded thing like, hey, what's up? This is the Comedy Chefs. We're cooking. Yeah. Quinn Cook. do that before the the song. Yeah. And it'd be like a subscribe. Uh, oh, the boilerplate? yeah and I, yeah. There's a, a boiler plate a boiling pot plate yeah we're gonna cook up a great episode but before we do that go on iTunes I like that uh, eat a sandwich go to the bathroom wash your hands and leave us a review I'm down
1: yeah I should do it yeah sweet uh, yeah I, I promote the pod write to us let us know Romaine, let us know what you want to hear. Any top nines? Follow me on uh, social media. Follow me on TikTok.
0: I was thinking, do you, do you think we should do? This might get too out of hand, and it might make the pod too long. We would have, probably have to cut a segment. What do, you, what do you think about like Razorback questions?
1: Absolutely. You think, think that would be that would be a th- th- phenomenal? All right. We just got to get questions first. Yeah. That's, that's, dude, we've been asking for
0: questions since day one. I know. We'd have to post on Instagram. We'd have to tell people a way to do it. So maybe what yeah. we'll Yeah, we could we we we'll, we we'll, we'll, we could talk off pod.
1: Yeah. Let's let us know. We'll see we'll save it for the off pod. Save it for the off the pod. All right everybody, appreciate everybody listening. Hope everyone's uh having a great summer. Yeah. Sanders.
0: Continue to have a great uh, summer unwrapped. Mark Summers. Nice.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. All right, take care. See ya. Bye.